Coming up on the Get Loud podcast. Oh, we're one week away from the regular season. We'll get into that. Also, we're going to go back in time a little bit because you had an incredible part of manifesting Joe Jackson Gibbs coming back. Good Joseph. Yes, I did. (laughs) Also, best celebrity run-ins. It's coming up on the Get Loud podcast. Uh, Yes, it is. How you doing, everyone? It is the Get Loud podcast presented by SeatGeek. Ooh, right there, baby. Got to pay those bills. Got to pay them bills, baby. Fred Smoot, <laughs> Michael Jenkins. Just before we came on, we were talking about cow's milk, so I know this is going to be a good podcast. Where do we go from there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make a transition from a cow to a Bengal. I don't think I can do it. I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Commanders beat the Bengals in preseason game number three, 21-19. Yep. And we got a little break before the start of the regular season. But I have to say... It's hard for me to try to convince myself not to get too excited. Yeah. But there's a lot of reasons why we should be excited. Well, right you now. know what? This is what I do love. Even though we went 3-0 in the preseason, nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. That means we are thinking about the future. We're mm-hmm. not thinking about the now. Yeah. We're not going crazy about anything. I think right now we got a wave mm-hmm. in Washington, and we riding that wave mm-hmm. right now. And I think the expectations are higher than they ever been. I think so. By the way, they were doing the wave at FedEx Field. They did, they did the wave. They did the wave. By yeah. golly, we did the wave. We had enough people in the stadium to do, do, do the, the wave. wave. <laughs> so we can talk about all sorts of different position groups. Yeah. I'll throw out DBs because you're a DB. Emmanuel Forbes has looked great. And also Quan Martin Ball. got his. Yeah. So this is going to be one of those position groups where some tough decisions are going to have to be made because a lot of guys showed out. Yeah. You know what? As a person that played the game and mm-hmm. a person that's emotionally attached to the game – I loved this time of the year, but I hated this time of the year. I loved it because football is about to start, mm-hmm. the real games. I hated it because I lost a lot of friends that got cut. Yeah. I lost a lot of people in my life because, I'm sorry, 90 people start today, 53 are going to make the roster. Yeah. And for some rookies, their dreams are going to end tomorrow. Yep. Like for some veterans, they don't even know it. They played their last game on the NFL field. Mm-hmm. So watching those dreams die is a part of you mm-hmm. that feels for them and that hurts for them. But you understand the business side sure. of it. And I think I think that's the difference of it. What was one of the toughest moments you've ever had watching somebody get cut? I don't know if you want to name names, but yeah. where you were close to someone and you're like, man, this this one hurts. Oh, no. Listen, it's a lot of guys I was like yeah. very close to because you got to realize we spend the whole summer together. We spend the yeah. fall together. And then all of a sudden they're gone. Mm-hmm. And not only are they gone, you're going to look at them across and they might be on another sideline. Yeah. So it, I got really close to some guys, spent some time with them. Some guys I let stay with me because once they come here, they like, don't have an apartment or something. So yeah. you let them stay with you and stuff like that. You be a memories. You be a time with them. I won't bring in the names, but there's a lot of guys that I just like, man, I can't believe it. And I felt for them. I yeah. felt for them. And, yeah. and we also know that even for some of these guys who don't make this roster, there's going to be some guys who yeah. show up elsewhere Where? who will make a name and, for themselves. And, and do big things. Yes. Like the thing about it is, just because it don't happen here, don't mean it won't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about this, this this voyage in the NFL. It's some ups and downs. It's some, like, listen, I always tell people, it ain't nothing like sitting at home, mm-hmm. watching the ESPN, and find out you just got traded through the ticker. Like, nobody <laughs> oh, has God. to do that with their job. Like, right. Like, nobody has to do that with their job, and now you got to look at your mm-hmm. wife or your girl and tell yeah. her, we're moving. To Minnesota. I, right. It, it, it's a totally different thing, and it's a totally different life. And I think athletes are built for it. Yeah. We're mobile. We're mobile like that. Have you had that happen to you before where you find out something via a ticker? 
Well, uh, when it was over with, I kind of felt it because my body was there. Yeah. And plus, uh, talking to the front office, I was like, yeah. kind of knew. I kind of knew. So I, my career was not full of surprises. Mm-hmm. It was kind of mm-hmm. like laid out for me. Uh, and I, I kind of took it into my own hands. Like, even when I was in Minnesota, I was unhappy. Like, I was happy with the money. Mm-hmm. I was unhappy day to day. Why? Living life. Because it wasn't D.C., it wasn't, yeah. I wasn't happy with my off the field life. Okay. I was happy with my own field life, but it started to bleed into my own the field play. Yeah. So I was like, I have to get back home. And I jumped on the phone with Coach Gibbs. I just called him out the blue and like, Coach, I want to come home. And he was like, will they trade you back? And he was like, because if they will, we're taking you. I got on the phone with Ziggy Wilf. And I was oh. like, Ziggy Wilf, I really do want to go back to Washington. He was like, do they want you back? I like, yeah, I just got off the phone with Coach Gibbs. Oh. It happened 24 hours later. Did I it was really? Back, like I was back, and I'm. I kind of took it into my own hands to say, you know what? It'll do me better if I go back home. Yeah. And and this DC has always been home. Man, we got a lot of stuff to get to, but yeah. you were talking about Coach Gibbs. We might as well yeah. talk about him now. Yeah. So when you came back, <laughs> and when he came back, yeah. you were telling this crazy story where. You were being interviewed by what ESPN, ESPN yeah, and in some way it sort of influenced you. Kind of manifested see, him coming yeah, back. Yeah. Oh, it was one of these things where Coach Spurrier had just out the blue retired. Just I'm through. I'm what was through, his famous through. quote? Uh, I got. <laughs> oh, he got a lot. Not, not very good. No, not good. Hey, we ain't very good, and that's okay. <laughs> At the end of the day, I remember one time we were playing a game, and we got beat to death. It was like thirty-five to zero, and Coach was like, "Hey guys." Hurry up and shower. Let's get out of here for a football game. Break out again because we ain't ready for it. Like he just once he retired, and I understood this about Coach. He was a college guy. He loved yeah. it. That's his some guys lane. are just built for the college game. That's his lane. The old ball coach. And he quit, and I'm driving down 95 because it's the end of the season. I'm mm-hmm. driving back to Mississippi, going to see my folks. Yeah. ESPN calls me like, uh, "Can you do an interview?" And I'm like, "I'm driving through South Carolina. They're like, stop in Atlanta at the CNN building, mm-hmm. do an interview because Coach Spurrier just retired. So I'm driving like." Wow, Coach Spur, you're gone. Who's going to be our next coach? And I'm thinking in my head, like, who would I love to mm-hmm. play for? And I was like, the only person that ever brought a ring to this city yep. is Joe Jackson Gibbs. <laughs> so I said, a.k.a. the Joseph, that's what I call him. I said, you know what? I'm going to put it out there in the atmosphere and see what happens. Mm-hmm. They asked me, who's going to be our next coach? I said, I hope it's Coach Gibbs. He's the only person that brought a championship here. I would love to play for him. It would mm-hmm. be an honor for him. I get a call a couple of hours later, like, thank you. And I'm like, who is this? He's like, this Joe Gibbs. I'm like, what are you thanking me for? He was like, because I have been thinking about coaching for the last couple of months. I just didn't know how to tell my wife. I just didn't know how to bring it up to her. And we're sitting here watching ESPN and watching your interview, yeah. and we look at each other, and she's like, Joe, what you going to do? And he was like, I'm going back. And I, I, I feel good because I kind of feel like I was the catalyst for yeah. it. So it was like, oh. You broke the ice for yeah, him. I broke the yeah. ice for him and made it easy for him to find his way back. So when he came back, I drove, I literally flew back here, and it was like the best experience of my life. Yeah. I wasn't meeting the coach. I was meeting the granddaddy figure. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the relationship we have. Like, very close. It was more intimate than I have ever been with a coach ever before in my life. And I, I'm very close to Jackie Sherrill. I'm very close to. I was very close to Martin Schoenheimer. Mm-hmm. He drafted me, but me and Coach Gibb, that was that was different. And I still to this day go see him in Carolina. Like that's my guy. So 
the fan base clearly, everyone yeah. loves Joe Gibbs, not yeah. just because of his football acumen, but because of the kind the of person, person he, uh, that yeah. he is. Yeah. So what is it, since you know him, yeah. what is it about him? Can you go more into just the specifics of the kind of person he is that, that draws you to him? The kindness, the thoughtfulness, the person. Yeah. Uh, the presence, uh, who he is, what he teaches. Like, when he first met me, he was like, I'm more entertained and I'm more intrigued by the person of Fred Schmoot, not the player. Oh, that makes like, a lot. He, like, he literally told me, some people are built to play football. I feel like you're one of those people. And I was like, why you feel like that, Coach? Because you're like, most people... They gifted. They don't love to practice. You mm-hmm. come out here every day laughing, enjoying practice. That's different. And he really helped me be in tune with the person. And he mm-hmm. was, I always told me this. Don't you ever lose track of the person of Fred Smoot. Don't get trapped in the player. Mm-hmm. Keep the person. So that that part and, and me able to just walk in his office anytime because I realized he spent the night here five mm-hmm. nights out of seven every week. So I knew he would be here no matter what. And I just walk in his office anytime. I had that connection to him. So when I went to Minnesota, I'll never forget this. Bus Cook, my agent, we signed a contract to Minnesota. Okay. Big contract, my biggest contract. And I just couldn't stop crying. And Bus was like, are you just that damn happy that you just can't stop crying? Right. And I like, nah. I say I'm hurt because I'm leaving Coach Gibbs. Like, I like, I don't want to leave Coach Gibbs. But you we were that connected. I, we was dead connected, but I also knew we were so messed up under the cap at the time mm-hmm. that he couldn't sign us. Me, Antonio Pierce, he wanted all of us to stay here. Yeah. But we was we were still paying Deion Sanders. That they hadn't I played us for four that. years. So we were still playing guys that weren't even on the team. And I'll never forget my, my, when I signed the country, I just could not stop crying. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what's wrong with you, dude? You should, this should be the happiest day of yeah. your life. And I was like, I just did not want to leave, mm-hmm. but I knew what I had to do personally. I feel like, too, and I've had this happen, I think everyone has, when yeah. you feel like whoever your boss is, head coach, whatever, they actually care about you, you. and like you, then all of a sudden it's different. You're not just a number. You're not just an employee. Like, oh, you actually appreciate me, and yeah. that makes you a lot more loyal. Well, I, I looked at it as this. This is the same guy that won three Super Bowls with Joe Theismann, Mark Rippin, Doug Williams, Coach Dale Green. Mm-hmm. This guy that coached numerous Hall of Famers, and he looks at me as one of his top guys. Mm-hmm. That blew me away. That blew me away. Like, I, I, I would never think with the Brian Mitchells of the world, right. Fred Smoot would be one of his favorite guys that he does not forget and that he makes sure that, like, we talk all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I can call Coach Gibbs at a drop of a dime. I don't think many people have that type of relationship. He ain't coached me for, what, 15 years now. Yeah. And we still have that relationship. I still cheer Ty Gibbs on and, and, and NASCAR. All of I was going to ask that, like, yeah. Like, we family. It's yeah. different, man. So, you were telling me, which I did not realize, of course, there's a bubble out here yeah, it was. in Ashburn. But Joe Gibbs didn't want a bubble. He didn't want a bubble. No. I, uh, Dan asked Joe, do you want a bubble so y'all can practice indoor? He's like, nah, baby. <laughs> did he say, nah, baby? Nah, baby. <laughs> it's red skin weather. I'm like, what is red skin weather? All weather. Like, listen, I People don't understand this about Coach Gibbs. He will work you to death. All right? Yeah. His practices are not for the faint of heart. And the thing about it is, tornado, hurricane, it does not matter. It's red skin weather. We're going to be outside. I'm talking about blizzards. I remember one day we were practicing, right? And the guys were like, before practice, because everybody watched the weather, man. Yeah. They were like, hey, it's going to thunderstorm out there today. Go tell your coach. 
we need to practice a walkthrough indoors. I go upstairs. Oh, wait. Someone told you to go tell him? No. I, like, that's what they did. The whole locker room knew that me and Coach had to, So <laughs> okay. I was like the, the, the youngest son that you yeah, go, yeah. I always go tell You're the middle man. Yeah, yeah. I'm the middle man. So they like, go tell Coach. We can't practice today. So I go up there. I'm like, Coach, you know what's? If in a thunderstorm, we're like, yeah, baby. This red skin <laughs> I see you outside in 30 minutes. So I go back to tell the guys, hey, I see y'all outside in 30 minutes. We go outside, we're practicing, right? Ooh, and it's just parental rain yeah. dripping. And coaches out there, no hat on, no anything. He just loving it. He just showering in it. And then lightning hit. Now that's the one thing that can stop any football yep. practice or game. And I looked at him, and the water just pouring down my face. And I said, Coach, that's a damn shame. It took Jesus to send lightning for you to ease up on us. And Coach just could not stop laughing. He was like, oh. And I like, man, that's the thing about him. He all about how much work do we put in. That's what we get yeah. afterwards. And I think that's what he taught us is at the end of the day, whatever you put into this game is what you're going to get out of it. Isn't that funny, too, how old school coaches, they love nothing more than when it's cold outside. They love adversity. Oh. They'll put on the short shorts. They love yes. adversity. That's their thing. Because they know that's the true test. That's the true test of a man. Yeah. What are you doing when it ain't good? That's the true test of a man. Not when it's good. Mm -hmm. When it's not good. Man, we had a coach back in high school, and this was a guy where it could be 30 degrees outside. Yeah. Short sleeves, didn't care, and he would always have one-liners. Yeah. We, and there was a running back named Ivan Rickles. Sorry, he was a linebacker. And he wore these dark. He had an eye issue. Yeah. So dark shades. Yeah. And so... There was a play where running back, Curtis Stanley, Curtis comes around the corner, and I, with those shades on, just lays him out. Yeah. And there's a pause. It's all quiet. Coach Pierce goes, Stanley, Ivan may look like Ray Charles with those glasses on. <laughs> but he can see you, and I yeah. guarantee you, he's going to hit you. And I, that's real. Yeah, that's real. That's so real. And then what I love about coaches, they they have this connection with us where they see us at our best mm -hmm. and they see us at our worst. Like when the game not going good, they got to pick us up yep. mentally. When the game is going good, they got to tone us down mm -hmm. to put us in the middle. So I think we have a relationship with them. And think about this. We spend more time during a year with our coach than we do with our mate. Good point. Right, so that, that relationship has to have some functionality to it. And that's why I love Coach Gibbs and I love Greg Williams because they practice us to the max. They they, they literally put mm. you to the stove and say, either you're going to do it or you're not. So when you have a head coach like that, yeah. how is he with you versus – clearly you had a good relationship with him. Yeah. But how is he with you versus – Younger guys, the rookies. Yeah. Well, Coach Gibbs was very good with the rookies. Yeah. And he kind of let us as veterans handle the rookies. And we would do the rookie show every year. And okay. he would make sure that I got with the rookies. I helped them through their routine because he know I love to write. I, I love mm -hmm. to, like, do shows. I, I'm an entertainer. I love to entertain. And he would tell me, go help them out. Make sure it's a good show. And all we would do during the show was mock coaches. Mock they, what they do, how they say it, and make them sing and stuff like that. And he knew they were bringing us together. Yeah. Like, he knew I was very, like, welcoming, and I would make it easy for the rookies to understand that they are part of a bigger family. Right. And he knew I wouldn't press them to the fire to the point that I'd turn them away and they'd run away. He knew I would bring them in and make them feel like part of the family. And that did a lot for me also because – I, I got to know every inch of the team. I'm one of the few players that knew every 53 player on the roster. 
hell, I'm connected to the 70s. Like, I, yeah. I, I talk to Joe Jacoby. I talk to Doug Williams all the time. I talk to the new guys. So I'm connected to the 70s, to the 2010s. Yeah. Like, I love the history of the game. I love the game itself. This game has changed my life. And during these times, it, 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 it really became humbling that he wanted me to do those type things. So if there was a thing or two that you have learned from yeah. Coach Gibbs, and I know there's yeah. a lot of different things because yeah. of the way you revere him, and rightfully so, what yeah. would you say those are? Just be a good person. Yeah. One thing he taught me is it takes no energy to be yourself. It takes a lot of energy to be somebody else. Like, just be mm -hmm. yourself, and that's all it takes. If you got a good heart and you feel a certain way, good things going to come to you. And when bad things come to you, you're going to dig your way out. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, like he said, God won't put nothing on you that you cannot handle. I, and guess what? When he puts it on you, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. And I am a, I am a living embodiment yeah. of that. I have been through it all, the highs, the lows. I keep going. Mm -hmm. I persevere. It doesn't bother me. I smile through it all. Well, Joe Jackson Gibbs had three the world. Joseph. The Joseph <laughs> won three world championships. Yeah. So I want to talk about another world champion. I know you saw this. Noah Lyles, yeah. sprinter yeah. for the United States, won the 100 meter. And, and he from 200 the meter, Yep, from the DMV. Yeah. And so, world champion twice over now. But then afterwards, for yeah. some reason, he took a shot at the NBA. Why? And he, he, why for no reason. And he was saying, world champion of what? Of what? The NBA is an international sport. I, do he know who Giannis is? Jokic? Do he know yes. these names? Like, listen, the NBA is a world sport. I, the NFL is not. Like right. The NFL belongs to America. Yeah. Like, so at the end of the day, every other country doesn't play it. But the NBA, mm -hmm. soccer, baseball, international sports, for you to take a shot at them, and I know how he feels. At the, at the Olympics, it's you against everybody. Mm -hmm. All right? I totally understand where he's coming from on that. But I'm sorry. The NBA is a totally international sport that he could not play, like, right. first of all. And when you're talking about these guys, they are totally different than what, what he's used to. So at right. the end of the day, I think this – I think we misunderstood what he was saying. Right. I understand him in that moment. Yeah. Think about being the fastest man on earth. Think about right. nobody on 8 billion people. Mm -hmm. You are the fastest person on earth. On the I world. understand where he's coming from. But do not disrespect the NBA. Do no. not disrespect these guys. That's great. Do not belittle them and say they're not an international sport. If you say NFL, I would have been cool with it. Right. NBA, international sport. Okay, let me ask you about that then because some people would say, well, it, it depends on how you look at it. No one else plays the NFL but the United States. Yeah. At the same time, if nobody else is playing it, maybe you are world champions. How do you look at it? I look at it as you are world champions okay. because you are the best team that year. Mm -hmm. You are world champions. I just can't. Put it on the level of an NBA. It is champ. a different it's level. Like, yes, it's a different level when every country is playing it. Mm -hmm. Like until we got guys from China, Japan, uh, India playing the game, mm -hmm. it's not worldly. I and I understand mm -hmm. the world watches yeah. it. The Super Bowl is the most watched sport event of everything. But until we have the whole world playing it, mm -hmm. it's not a worldly sport. We have some breaking news that you Commanders fans are going to want to hear. It is official. SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner of the Washington Commanders. That's right. The deal is finalized, and SeatGeek is the newest member of the Commanders family. If you haven't heard the name yet, get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more this season. Whether you're buying or selling tickets to Commanders games or to any other event in the DMV, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Washington Commanders, so Commanders fans can fan. What's the worst haircut you ever had? You know what? 
I'm one of them guys. I done had the same haircut since high school. Yeah. Just totally fade down. I, I like, I don't got no tattoos. I'm very, mm-hmm. like, chill. And one time I tried a different haircut. It was called a burst fade. Okay. It was, like, faded on the side, and it went down in the back. I wore it, like, two days, and, boy, everybody just texted me, like, you don't cut that off your head. You look terrible. Like, like Tutty? Oh, I look like Major Tutty. Like, that's how I look. <laughs> I look just like Major Tutty. It was a damn shame. Hey, listen. But... I embraced the criticism. Okay, okay. And I went and got it cut off. Did you? I did. Oh, when I was in college, Smoot, I went to Supercuts, $6. And <laughs> $6. You can't get nothing for, you can't get a sneaker for $6. Because I've had sideburns forever, right? And this is when my eyes quit taking the contacts. I couldn't wear contacts. Yeah. I had to get surgery on my eyes, but I couldn't see. And so this dude cuts my hair, and he's like, how's it look? I was like, it looks pretty good. But then I got home, and I swear to God, I was looking in the mirror, and I got up real close, and this sideburn was fine, and I swear to God, there was a strand of hair. You could flick it with your finger. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? It was western sideburn? Wispy. <laughs> so then I had to cut it both high above a the- Oh, my God. Like uh, I was in the military. It was brutal. Oh, no. It hurts. That, that's the one thing about it is, that's why I love criticism. Like, the thing about it is- you, we don't see ourselves how other people see us. Yeah. So when other people say something, I take heed to it. Like, I really take heed to it. Well, we got to transition a little bit into college football. It's I week one of college I football. I love college football. Ooh, okay, so yeah. what do you do? Because I'll tell you what. On college football Saturday, I'm locked in. I got drinks. I got wings. I always have wings. Oh, no, look. Wings are the uh, ultimate thing. Now, here go the question with you, G. Okay. Is it a such thing as boneless wings? Because I don't think no, they exist. No. I think it's an oxymoron. They're nuggets. I, they're chicken they're tenders. They're nuggets, yeah. They are chicken tenders. Like, you want me to believe that a boneless a chicken wing. is walking around here? No, he's not. Like, you rename tenders, and now they're blowing up. Like, they are not boneless wings. They are short chicken tenders. How about we rename that? And they also taste totally different. I think because it's, it's breast meat, right? Yeah. All right, so guess what? Because you don't get the dark meat in there, too. Hey, there are not chicken wings. And I I, I want America to stop that. Like, <laughs> I want to sue TJF Fridays. I want to sue them all for saying boneless wings because it's not a such thing. It doesn't exist. So what does your college football Saturday look like? All right. I wake up early in the morning. I get that grill going. Okay. I'm a big grill guy. I get that grill going. I get my meat on my grill. And I sit. My kids know. Do not mess with daddy. On Saturday, I sit on that couch so much, it's just butt imprints on it. I don't move. <laughs> I turn the channel back and forth because I start out with my SEC. Yep. Then I end with my Pac-10. Because, you know, Pac-10 play at 1 o'clock at night. Yeah. I watch college football. And I think I'm just so attracted to college football because I know all the players out there are dreamers. Yeah. They are dreaming about playing on the next level. And they playing for school spirit. It, it's yeah. like nothing like representing your school. Like when I was a Mississippi State Bulldog, I enjoyed every day of it. Because it's a us against y'all mentality. Mm-hmm. It, it ain't just the football players. It's the whole school. No doubt. Like it, the school spirit. Like people don't understand a SEC Sunday. I mean Saturday. It's different than anything in the world. Yeah. When I got to the league, the crowds were smaller. It's when true I, though. When I played at Alabama, 90,000. I played at LSU, 100,000. I played at Auburn, 80,000. I'm like, i sorry. I have been in a game in Alabama, the ground just shaking. The ground just shaking. I'm like, this is different than any experience you've mm-hmm. ever experienced, the nostalgia of it. You never forget it as a player. You can ask John Allen. You can ask mm-hmm. any of these guys. Nothing compares to a Sunday in the SEC. Yeah. A Saturday, rather. And you always say NFL guys. Yeah. 
they talk about the NFL, but they talk about college. college. Like, yes, because we are we are intimately connected to that. You yeah. never forget your it's part of who you year. are. Yeah, this this part of your identity. This part of who you will always be. And after the NFL, guess what? We go back to those colleges. Mm-hmm. Like we we give back to those colleges. We give time to those colleges, and yeah. hopefully our sons go play at those colleges. So it, it, it's different. How's Mississippi State going to be this year? Oh, we're going to be good. Like, we're going to be good. And the only thing about it I can say about this, new coach, new era, new time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a great quarterback. We always got great defensive linemen, and we always got great defensive backs. That's our thing. I think we'll have a great offense this year. And guess what? Nobody picks us to win anything. Right. Because LSU's of the world, Alabama's mm-hmm. of the world, Georgia's of the world. Watch out for them bulldogs. If you a hungry dog will bite you, Jinx. Like, and we are hungry, all right? So – there are different celebrities yeah. in Hollywood, wherever, and they have their teams, right? Yeah. Ashley Judd's a big Kentucky basketball fan. Matthew McConaughey's a big Texas football fan. Yeah. Huge Redskins fan. Yeah, yeah. Commanders fan now. Yeah. So I know you know him yeah. quite a bit. What has been your coolest celebrity run-in at a game or anywhere? Well, You've me, had a few. Me and Matthew McConaughey, very close. Mm-hmm. I, I, I talked to him. I've interviewed him many times. He loves Washington. Like, yeah. that's his thing. And actually, I, I can say this. As a celebrity, my jersey is is in his basement. He probably the biggest celebrity that mm-hmm. my jersey is in his basement. And you know his mom lives with him. He loves his mom. Like I, I enjoyed it about him. He's a southerner and he's very much like me. Mm-hmm. We don't take ourselves too serious. Yeah. And I like love that about him. He's very uh just Salt of the earth type person. I enjoy talking to him. He believes we're gonna win the Super Bowl every year. That's the only <laughs> thing I just disagree with him all the time. Sometimes yeah. I be like, Matthew, we're not gonna be that good this year. Yeah. Long as we beat the Cowboys, that's all that matters. Cause you know he lives in Texas. Oh, so yeah. like he 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 loves the fact that he gets to talk to us. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I was shocked the first time I talked with him because he was more excited to talk to me than I was to talk to him. It, it, it blew my mind away. So most definitely Matthew McConaughey, one of the best Washington fans of all time. Hey, one of my good friends, I can say that. Yeah. But the biggest celebrity, probably Michael Jordan. Hey, think about this. That's a good one. When I got to Washington in 01, uh, the football team had uh, Daryl Green, Yellow Jacket, uh, Bruce Smith, Yellow jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basketball team was Michael Jordan and the Wizards. We had Yager and Lemieux with the with the with the soccer. I mean, with the uh, hockey team. It was just star studded, but they was all old veterans. And I ran with Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith was my dude. He kind of took me on his wing. And boy, him, Charles Oakley, and Michael Jordan. They, they was all yeah. close. So they brought me. He brought me into the fold. And I used to just go everywhere with them. And I was just blown away because. First of all, if you're with Michael Jordan, Charles Oakland, and Bruce Smith, nobody knows who the other guy is. I was the other guy. Right. I, I was the other guy just tagging along. <laughs> and I'll never forget, he threw me a birthday party, Bruce Smith, and Michael Jordan threw me a birthday party, and it was electric. And I had never seen somebody walk into a place and the music just yeah. stop and everybody just watching him as he walks through in slow motion. I'm like, am I the only person seeing this dude? Walking real time in this slow yeah. motion, and it's Michael Jordan just walking through here, and it just blew everybody away. And I was like, you know what? I made it. That's when I figured that I <laughs> yeah. made it. Michael Jordan is throwing Fred Smooth a party. I have made it. Biggest celebrity of all time. Oh my God. We know who Michael Jordan is. Yes. I, I'm sorry. He literally came out with shoes when I was young, and now I got to buy them again for my kids. Probably more and expensive. And he charged me. 
$200 right. for. I, listen, <laughs> it's a different experience. I enjoyed it so much. I was just, like I say, I was blown away by it at the time. And now that I go back and think about it, mm-hmm. how did you even live it? Like I, yeah. I, like I'm asking myself, how did you even live it without being blown away by it? Because yeah, yeah. at the time, I was thinking nothing of it. I was 20 years old. Like I was thinking nothing of it. I've had a few celebrity run-ins. Yeah. I met McConaughey two or three times. The first time I met him was this the best run I ever had. Was this is when I first started here in DC? This is like, oh man, almost twenty years ago. And they were just throwing money around. They're like, hey, we need to send you out to Hollywood. There's this movie, and it's called Two for the Money. Yeah, Al Pacino's in it. Matthew McConaughey's in it. Renee Russo's in it. We're gonna send you out to Beverly Hills, and you're gonna talk to these guys. Yeah, I'm like, that's my assignment. All right. They fly me out there. First of all, I'm in a bar the day before, and I'm just sitting by myself. This is a classic Hollywood. Dude next to me strikes up a conversation, and I tell him what I'm doing. He goes, hold on one second. Grabs his phone. Yeah. Yeah, man, I got a guy here. What's your name? Michael Jenkins. Yeah. yeah. We got to hook you up, man. Yeah. He, he's a star. <laughs> he's an absolute star. I'm like, I just met you. So I was like, that's weird. Yeah. So I go to this junket, right? Pacino's not there. Talked to McConaughey for about five minutes. He was cool. I go to talk to Renee Russo. Yeah. About two and a half minutes in, she could not have been more bored. Yeah. I was like, I got to switch this up. Yeah. So I go, Renee, what else do you like to do? Yeah. And it was like a light went off. She yeah. goes, excuse me? I go, you've done this for a long time. Yeah. What else do you enjoy? Yeah. She goes, I don't know. I just like to do something. I want to do something that's real. I like your Renee voice. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> You know, Morgan Freeman is from Mississippi. Yeah. 200 acres in Mississippi, and he has nothing but bees on his land. Really? Well, you know, if bees come up missing, we're through. We have nothing to pollinate the earth. So he's a big earth guy. And that's how I kind of got into my own thing, where I wanted my own farm, and I wanted to do my own thing because of Morgan Freeman. Aren't you going to do that now? Yeah, most definitely in West Virginia. Uh, 200 acres in West Virginia. Oh, my God. I want uh, Wagyu cows, uh, 20-acre lake. I'm going to stock it, all that. I grow my own stuff. You know how I like to grow my own yeah. stuff right now. So at the end of the day, I think if you can grow your own stuff and, and, and love the earth and, and, and harness it, I think I think it's, it, it takes it to another level. And I, I enjoy it. It, it, it. It's it's freeing. It frees my mind to do it. See, I appreciate that about you because you were saying you actually now – like to mow your own lawn? I love to mow my own grass. Like, it's like nothing like mowing your own piece of the earth. Like, I think once you become a house owner, a homeowner, mm-hmm. it's a privilege to mow your grass. And plus, when I tell my boys to go out there and mow the grass, they don't do the job right. Like, <laughs> I want my lines certain way. Yeah. You know, I, I do it in Like a, a baseball field. Yes. And it's relaxing now that you can put your earbuds yeah. in. I can listen to music. I can listen to YouTube. I can listen to a podcast, a breakdown while I'm doing it. I, it, it's fulfilling to me, and, I, and mm-hmm. the smell of grass, it does some. I'm an ex-football player. When you have freshly cut grass, grass. It's, it, it smells a certain way, it feels a certain way. I like want to just lay in the grass and make uh, <laughs> uh, uh, butterflies in it. I, I enjoyed it. I used to love it when I was younger. The problem is, when I was younger, my brother and I had to split up duties. We lived on about an acre, yeah, and we had to mow the grass, weed eat, edge, and then one thing happened. I'm a small town in Texas. We won Yard of the Month from the Chamber of Commerce. Worst thing to ever happen yeah. because then mom was like, the expectations every, are here. Every two, because it's a small town. People would yeah. drive by. Let's look Looking at the at yard. Let's look at the, the yard of the month. Yard in Texas. Oh, and so all of a sudden, every two days, we're out there trimming it up, you know, edging again, making sure it looked good for everybody. Worst thing to ever happen. Hey, see, was, I was a crook. I, my dad used to be like, mow that grass before I get home. I would go break the lawnmower, like take a wheel off. <laughs> like I was throat. Like I was totally throat. Because I wanted to go play I wanted to go play football. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go do something else. And that's the fun thing about it. My mom was pregnant with me okay. and didn't know it. 
Okay. She was playing football with my uncles. My uncles tackled my mom. She started to throw up. They took her to the hospital, and they said, you are pregnant. She found out she was pregnant with me playing football. So then I was like, I was just meant to play the game. You were playing football before you were out before of the womb. I was even out the womb. I was already <laughs> getting tackled and, and on the field. So when Coach Gibbs told me, I think he was born to play football, it hit me in a different way. You were. I was born, born to play You were football. born to play football. <laughs> so we got had no other job choice. Before we wrap things up, we got a week before week one against the Arizona Cardinals. What are you doing this week off? I'm just going to enjoy it. I think I'm going to go down to North Carolina and see Coach Gibbs. Oh, like, yeah. That's some, something I do all the Love time. That. I'm going to go down to North Carolina, enjoy a couple of weeks with him, I mean, a couple of days with him, enjoy that. And plus, we can't let this podcast go by without talking about a wrestler, at least a wrestler. Uh, and guess what? <laughs> Coco Bewell is the dude of the week. Most definitely, Coco Bewell was the character. And I, hey, you know, I love to bring my wrestling I up. Can't I can't you in Coco like, Bewell. I, I, I was so like mad when I found out it was fake. Oh, my God. When I found out Mean Gene Oakland was literally just acting. He was in on it. Uh, it threw me off, man. I love the Macho Man Red and Savage. I thought he was a character. And I love watching. I watched some on Netflix. And Ho Hogan was like, he can't turn it off. Nope. He cannot turn it off. So he would just get out the ring and be every day. And Ho Hogan would call him. He'd be like, what up, Ho? Like, he could not turn it off. Like, so I enjoy people that can't lead a character. You got to get the name in. Yeah. Once a podcast. Andre the Giant? Uh, no, no. Andre the Giant, we're going to get loud for you, Andre. All right, there we go. That's it for the Get Loud Podcast. Fred Smoot, Michael Jenkins, presented by SeatGeek. Enjoy the week. Week one coming up. Yeah, it is. Hope you're enjoying the Get Loud Podcast, but the content never stops. Right, Fred? Never going to stop. Never. We got the Command Center Podcast on Wednesday. Command Center on Thursday, and it's a tough week around here a little bit. Yes, it is. It's the, it's the week of reckoning, what we call it. At the end of the day, I feel for the guys that don't make it, but the 53 that are, we're going to start a new era. Regular season almost here. It's all this week. The views and opinions expressed by our podcast guests and or hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the Washington Commanders or any of their representatives.